Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Pragmatic Investor. Today I was joined by fellow essay contributor Julian Lin, who is the author behind Best of Breed Growth Stocks on Seeking Alpha. We had a great conversation today about rights and the cannabis sector in particular. We also focused on one of Julian's top picks in the cannabis sector, which is New Lake Capital Partners, NLCP. I really enjoyed this conversation with Julian. I learned a lot about the cannabis sector and rights, and I hope you will too. As always, if you aren't already following, please make sure to follow on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Go ahead, like and share, and please enjoy. Welcome once again. I am joined today by fellow essay contributor Julian Lin. Thanks for coming, Julian. Thanks for having me, James. All right, it's great having you here. Uh, first question, something that's been on my mind since we talked. Uh, there's this word, it's R-E-I-T. How, how do you pronounce that? Rights? Uh, I personally pronounce it reads. Reads, uh, right. I know, I know there's a bit of debate around this pronunciation. Yeah, there, <laughs> there, there might be. Um, yeah, I, I prefer to just call them real estate stocks. That might be a little easier. <laughs> All right, I, I do apologize. I, you know, I, I'm based in Spain, so I don't actually uh, talk that much about these things with uh, with English people. Now, um, just to get us started, uh, because this is your area of expertise. For anyone who might be new to to this area, tell us a little bit more about rights, uh, real estate stocks. Uh, what what is a right or rate? Yeah, um, so a REIT refers to a real estate investment trust. Uh, in plain English, it's a stock version of owning real estate. So in general, you're owning, you're buying stock in a company that would have a management team operating a real estate portfolio. Uh, from a operating perspective, they're required to distribute 90% of their taxable income to shareholders through dividends, making them a very popular stock among dividend investors is because their dividend yields tend to be higher than the market. Okay, great. Now, you write a lot about um, rates on Seeking Alpha. Um, one that we did talk about before coming on the podcast was uh, New Lake Capital Partners. Yeah, so New Lake Capital Partners, that's stock ticker NLCP, is a cannabis reach uh, focused on uh, owning cannabis, mainly cultivation and dispensary properties across the United States. Uh, New Lake Capital Partners is a triple net lease REIT. What that means is that uh, these, these leases are uh, structured in a way where the tenant is responsible for real estate taxes, insurance, and uh, maintenance capital expenditures. That's an important detail because Typically, when you think of a REIT, for example, if you're thinking of a, of a shopping mall REIT or a shopping center REIT uh, or even apartment REITs, these tend to, uh, the operator, the real estate operator typically pays for all of those things. They typically have significant maintenance expenses. But when the leases are structured as a triple net lease, the real estate operator does not have to pay for these. This makes it so... Uh, the, there's a high degree of free cash flow conversion. So just to mm -hmm. illustrate how that's important, uh, typically we might uh, use this term called funds from operations when we value REITs. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I mean, there's a lot of adjustments, but the main idea is that is simply gap net income plus depreciation. The idea is that real estate tends to have a great deal of depreciation. Depreciation is because you're owning this asset, where but um, that's a non-cash charge. So if you are not a triple net lease REIT, you're still going to have to deduct maintenance capital expenditures from that number. But in the case mm-hmm. of Newly Capital Partners, because it's a triple net lease REIT, when you see FFO basically adding depreciation to net income, that is basically free cash flow for the company. So mm-hmm. the reason that why I like Newly Capital Partners is because it's offering um, basically a way to invest in the long-term growth opportunity of the U.S. cannabis market. And I'm not sure how all listeners feel about cannabis, uh, but this is this is uh, a plant that has been gaining traction uh, in recent decades. It's already been legalized now in 23 states, now that Minnesota recently legalized the plant for adult use. Uh, and, and that is to say uh, legalized for adult use in 23 states, but it's being legalized in, for medical use in, in many more states. Personally, I mm-hmm. have found cannabis to be um, have a wide range of medicinal benefits. Personally, I like it for insomnia, anxiety, and chronic pain. Uh, it's it's something that has been controversial for many centuries. However, you know it's been around for thousands of years, and it's a. Uh, I mean, it's, it's to me, it's a wonderful thing. I think it's a it's just a matter of time before you know the whole world realizes um, about. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are the risks, but um, I think I think uh, it makes more sense to legalize it. But in any case, the U.S. cannabis sector has been in a downturn for about two years after they peaked in 2021. Uh, back in 2021, all U.S. cannabis stocks, this is including, you know, stocks selling cannabis, this is including real estate, cannabis real estate companies, the most popular being Innovative Industrial Properties, uh, stock figure IAPR. Mm-hmm. They all soared to all-time highs because there was hopes that with a Democratic president and Joe Biden and um, Democratic majorities in the Senate and House in the House, uh, the United States might decriminalize cannabis on a federal level, but mm-hmm. as any uh, any as two listeners of, who are familiar with the U.S. Politi- political system, though, um, it's not so simple to pass anything in politics, especially because of the filibuster rule. So even though the Democrats mm-hmm. did own the majority, they didn't really control the politics just because they didn't have enough uh, votes in the Senate. So. It turned out that legislation did not materialize. You, you, so that hype fades away, and then also some pricing pressure hit hit the market, and a lot of these post pandemic growth rates proved to be disappointing to investors. So a lot of these stocks mm-hmm. are down about ninety percent from their highs, very similar to how tech stocks have fallen. Um. So, in, but just just a lot of it due to near term headwinds, but. With newly capital partners, this is an interesting case because unlike those stocks of U.S. cannabis operators, newly capital partners, uh, it pays a big dividend. Uh, recently, it was yielding over 12%. Uh, this is a name which generates substantial free cash flow and mm-hmm. has virtually no debt on the balance sheet. Not to mention, it's mm-hmm. receiving fixed rent payments that increase and we'll talk about the growth in just a moment, but it's it's a bit higher on the capital stack, you know, than the typical U.S. 
cannabis operators just because the cannabis operators, they might, their fortunes will fluctuate based on the price, the market price of cannabis. Whereas, you know, like Capital Partners, which is the real estate landlord, they're just getting their fixed, very, very stable rental income. So one challenge faced by uh, the operators, the ones who are buying, who are cultivating and selling the plant, basically the tenants of New Lake Capital Partners, is that because cannabis is illegal on the federal level, they, they one, they have limited access to capital, which has led to, you know, double-digit yields on debt, and also they have to pay what is known as 280E taxes. Uh, the lowdown is that they're unable to deduct operating expenses from taxable income, meaning that sometimes mm-hmm. even if even if they have no operating income, they still have to pay income tax. So even even like the top operators, they're paying 40-80% corporate tax rates. Um, it, and this basically this obviously leads to very, very low gap net income or no gap net income in most cases and basically no free cash flow not to mention a lot of these companies have substantial amounts of debts just because they were expanding very rapidly amidst the pandemic mm-hmm. new Lake capital partners on the other hand does not have to pay that 280 taxes that explains why it's and plus uh it has no debt basically so that explains why it's able to generate so much free cash flow Right, so you make some good points there. First of all, just going back a little bit to the triple net lease, I guess the big advantage there is, like you say, you don't have some of those other other costs that other type of leasing would have since you're kind of um, putting those on a third party, right? Yes, yeah. So, I mean, well, and that third party would be the tenants. Uh, that So the idea is that um, from, from an investor perspective, it just makes it easier when you're trying to value or determine the financial safety of the investment. Because uh, when you when you see that FFO, that number where it's um, gap net income, adding back depreciation and amortization, that is going to be essentially free cash flow for the company. And as of recent prices, uh, New Lake Capital Partners was trading at around a 12% yield, you know, around eight times earnings, eight times free cash flow. That's extremely cheap uh for comparison uh you can compare both to the tenants valuations so the the stocks of u.s cannabis operators were recently trading at around you know six times ebitda uh, which is a little different than saying eight times earnings because remember these companies they have substantial interest expense substantial tax burdens and if you were instead to compare to other net lease rates, for example, realty income is trading at around 15 times FFO um, earnings, right? So um, on the basis of earnings, you know, newly capital partners trades at a 50% discount, you know, to the typical net lease rates. But I can make an argument that it should actually trade at a premium. And that reason is because of two factors. Uh, the first one is the acquisition cap rate is much higher for New Lake Capital Partners than the traditional uh, net lease reach. So acquisition cap rate just means uh, when they're acquiring new properties, they're able to acquire them at higher, at a higher yield, you know, at a, at a better valuation, just because cannabis, again, cannabis operators have limited access to capital. So if, whereas realty income, you know, the very popular realty income might be acquiring properties at maybe a six or 7% cap rate, New Lake Capital Partners is instead acquiring properties at a 12 or 
cap rate. There's a big difference there, and that has big implications for how accurate and how fast these companies can grow. And not only that, these leases carry higher uh, annual lease escalators. So whereas realty income, their leases might grow at a rate of 1% per year, uh, New Lake Capital Partners leases grow at a rate of around 2.7% every year. So even, so yeah, so right now the, the stock is trading at, you know, at a 12% dividend yield. It makes it hard for the company to issue stock to acquire new properties. So the external growth opportunity might be a little bit uh, muted, but based on just in place lease escalators, you know, revenues and earnings could go, grow at a low single digit rate, you know, around 27 to 3% every year, which is quite good, you know, for a REIT. Typical REITs nowadays, a lot of, a lot of REITs are not showing much growth at all, just because one, they typically, again, they, their typical lease escalators are very low. And also they're dealing with having to refinance uh, debt at much higher interest expenses. But New Lake Capital Partners, again, has very minimal debt, which is mm-hmm. very unusual for our REITs. Right. Now, that makes a lot of sense. It makes some compelling arguments there. I am looking at the chart here, imagining someone says, okay, I'm going to check out NLCP. And you were talking about how there was that peak around 2021, right, for the for cannabis stocks in general. Is that about right? Is that about the date you gave me? Yeah, yeah, right around there. And yeah, it's look, been look, in free fall ever since. Looking at the chart, though, we did get, I mean, the stock is very, has come down quite a bit, especially I'm looking here starting fe- February 8th, 2023. So quite recently, we actually had quite a big drawdown. Was there any, any particular reason for that? Anything coming out in the earnings? Or, and just in general, why do you think, I mean, this stock seems quite undervalued? So I think there's great pessimism regarding the credit quality of the tenants. As mentioned earlier, you know, they have quite, they have quite a bit of debt. These US cannabis operators have quite a bit of debt. And they also, they also have not, may not be generating so much free cash flow due to the high interest rates they pay on debt and the high tax rates they have to pay. But I think what the market is missing again is just this, the long term opportunity in cannabis, right? Like right now, even in my home state of California, see, California has legalized cannabis for adult use sales, but I think there, it's important that because cannabis is still technically illegal on a federal level, the average person still kind of views cannabis as a bit of a taboo. You know, they still think, you know, this is a hard drug. This is like mm-hmm. cocaine or something that you can't really talk about. When in reality, you know, cannabis, it's the science shows it's safer than alcohol by like, by magnitudes it's um again it's got a lot of medical uses so like even in california the demand is still being held back by this taboo negative stigma mm-hmm. and and so what that means is all these legal operators they're kind of having to compete in a very small legal market as well as competing against illicit operators so yes their profit margins are going to be lower in the near term but because the long-term opportunity is so significant Right. I, I, I don't really see a situation where the legal operators have to like shut down business and they're, or they're unable to find new capital to service their debt or to, to help fund more expansions. So like this is a case where someone from the outside looking in, they might just see how, how all these, the stocks of the tenants keep going down. They're down 90%. They just assume, Oh, these are all going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. But. 
the way cannabis works is that in most states where it's legalized for adult use or medical cells, they tend to use a limited license model where only a handful of operators are allowed to sell cannabis legally. So that helps create some barrier, uh, regulatory barriers to entry, not to mention it tends to be very difficult to approve new cultivation facilities coming online just because, I mean, the smell of cannabis is not necessarily very popular to everyone. So if you start building this everywhere, um, you know, all, all the all the citizens will start to protest. So mm-hmm. this is not really that there are long term structural reasons why this is this could be a long term sustainable business models. So the the idea is that I, I am the view that yes, while while the stocks of the U.S. cannabis operators. It, it does make sense that they had fallen quite a bit just because their business models might be a little more cyclical. They struggle to generate free cash flow. I think they're probably going to have to be quite a bit of equity offerings in the sector just to help resolve their debt problems. Mm-hmm. But in the case of newly capital partners, they don't really have that same risk because as long as these businesses are still operating and paying rent, you know, newly capital partners, everything is, everything is the same. And, as if you know, these tenants choose to uh, conduct equity offerings to shore up their balance sheets. Yes, that might that might hurt the stock prices of the tenants in the near term, just because of the dilution. But you know, it helps you know, like capital partners because their tenants become you know higher credit quality. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the cannabis sector, uh, NLCP, uh, obviously involved in this sector, but. This is, of course, also a real invest, a real estate investment trust, and there's been a lot of talk lately about uh, real estate. Obviously, people looking for some kind of a crash in the in the housing market, and also a lot of talk about how commercial real estate, in particular, might be more affected. Is this something that concerns you at all? Well, I would, I would, of course, imagine if there was a crash in real estate prices, uh, you would definitely see the uh, the real estate sector undergo some turbulence. It's Definitely possible, you know, even though I view New Lake Capital Partners as, again, it's already trading at a substantial discount, you know, to traditional these REITs, even though it probably should be trading at a premium. It's it, the properties it owns tend to be, you know, one of the few properties in the states that they operate in. So it's this is not really something that like, oh, just because the price of a 7-Eleven property goes down, that's that that shouldn't really affect the value of the property of these cannabis, cannabis real estate. And so nearly capital partners in the, in the, they, they, they do have one struggling tenant, a revolutionary clinics in Massachusetts, which hasn't been paying rent, but, you know, and that accounts for, you know, around 10% of rent, but at the same time, management has indicated that they believe that those issues appear to be more near term in nature. They, just because you know there was some timing of the harvest, and as they begin selling into adult use, adult use sales, you know they they expect that tenants uh, to improve their financial prospects materially. Uh, but more importantly, just a couple quarters ago, Newley Capital or was it, and also IIPR, they they were able to sell uh, properties in Pennsylvania near basically near cost. Right, this is only a couple months ago. Uh, it, it's just illustrating that, you know, in spite of the fact that these stocks trade at very, very low valuations, 
the the property values have pretty much held up, and which which again makes sense just because of the limited license model, the long term opportunity in cannabis, as well as you know just the attractive uh, fixed income opportunity here. So to illustrate what I'm expecting from a growth perspective, so um, it, it, you could just look at how IPR was able to grow their cash flows and their dividends. You know. Every year over the past five years, uh, they were able to grow exponentially just because, again, mm-hmm. the cap rate, when, when their cap rate is so high, it makes it so you could, you could generate substantial amounts of growth just by acquiring new properties. Uh, again, it's going to be difficult for them to issue stock. So, right, it, it, they are going, they are going to need a little bit of, um, some multiple expansion in their stock price in order to be able to really start issuing stock to buy back to buy uh, new properties but i could see you know at least 3% growth coming from coming from uh those annual lease escalators that's in every year and then you know assuming some multiple expansion yeah, I mean, growth growth could be in the double digits which is incredible for a real estate company and the double digits just from you know issuing stock buying new properties or even issuing debt to buy new properties mm-hmm. And you're starting to look at a company which, because it's trading at a 12% dividend yield, uh, you throw in, you know, around 10, 15, 20% growth. You throw in uh, multiple expansion. You know, I see this eventually trading at a 5% dividend yield or lower. And maybe, maybe that, maybe over time, that's what, 5% annually of multiple expansion. And then you throw in a 12% dividend yield. You're starting to look at around twenty-five to thirty percent annualized returns for you know the next decade, which, which is basically like the kind of returns you might hope from a tech stock. Uh, but again, this is a company with no debt; it's already trading at a twelve percent dividend yield. Uh, it, it's just a, it's a very wonderful risk risk return proposition as long as you get comfortable with the implied risk in the U.S. cannabis sector. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you, you talk about how, now I'm not an expert on, on rates, so you talk about how they're going to have trouble issuing stocks. It seems uh, stock to grow. It seems like they're in a bit of a catch-22 because the stock price is down, but without issuing stock, they're not going to be able to grow. And if they can't grow, then what's going to push these valuation multiples up? Yes. Yeah, so, of course, growth will be much stronger if the valuation was much higher. but it's not the end of the world if we have to wait for multiple expansion because, right, I mean, if the if the stock stays low, again, you, as an investor, you know, you just get your dividend, you can reinvest at a very high yield, and at some point when the valuation improves, you start looking at, you know, the catch-up gain just because you're able to reinvest the dividends at very high yields. So I'm not too concerned with um, the fact that Growth will be slow right now, just because the stock is so cheaply priced. Uh, mm-hmm. And because I think if there's one thing that's been certain, you know, on Wall Street is that investors really love dividend stocks, just because there, there's this intuitive uh, feeling of passive income, right? So if New Lake Capital Partners can just keep executing, basically keep showing that they could keep generating consistent cash flows, they could keep you know growing their cash flow base keeps you know increasing their dividend at some point you know the dividend investors they will recognize that oh why are they 
avoiding this 12% dividend yield stock, which is growing at a 2.7% rate, you know, even without any external acquisitions, why are they avoiding that stock but buying stocks like Realty Income with like a 5% dividend yield and like 2 or 3% dividend growth? You know, at, at some point, uh, that disconnect needs to be resolved. Mm-hmm. Of course, that, that makes a lot of sense in, in the long run, right? But, you know, you know what they say, the market can sometimes stay irrational quite long. Hopefully, this is one of those instances where the market stays irrational and gives us a good buying opportunity, right? Yes, I, I think I might have a different opinion if, for example, the debt position was very high. But in this case, again, this is a very crucial to the bull thesis is that that is minimal. There's, I think they have like one or five million dollars of debt. I assume this is just to test out their credit facility. Again, this is a small company, uh, but they don't have any debt, which which substantially limits the downside risk. Uh, even if you assume that you know they have to take a big haircut on revenues, which again is not really a base case that I am factoring in, right? I mean. Rents could fall, you know, maybe fifty percent, and they will still be trading at a discount to realty income. So this this is a case where you know a lot of a lot of the spec, a lot of the you know tech sectors have rallied. Uh, I mean, I'm still bullish tech, but clearly valuations are not distressed as they were maybe just uh, one year ago. But I am with the view that Newly Capital Partners is pricing in a great deal of pessimism. When in fact, this is, you know, this is a hidden growth mm-hmm. story. That's, that makes a lot of sense. I'll definitely be looking more into that. Now, I also wonder, because uh, obviously you know a lot about the cannabis sector. Uh, are there any other interesting names and opportunities there? Personally, I at one point did own a little bit of a, a, a stock called uh, True Live Cannabis. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Yeah, so True Live is actually a tenant of New Lake Capital right. Partners. Uh, I'm quite familiar. Uh, TrueLeave TrueLeave is a dominant operator in the state of Florida. Um, they're 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 a dramatically different business than maybe just a couple of years ago. Uh, TrueLeave used to be the most profitable operator in cannabis. They were gap profitable. They were generating a lot of profits, but unfortunately, like many operators in the cannabis sector, they they kind of became a little greedy. They tried to expand their footprint to become a bigger operator. So they took on a lot of debt to acquire a company named Harvest that gave them Arizona among many other states. And, you know, but when they got bigger, the revenue grew, the revenue grew bigger, but then their profits vanished. So they're under, they're going, they're undergoing a process of ironically getting rid of a lot of their unprofitable operations. But I think elsewhere in the sector, uh, you know, among U.S. cannabis operators, uh, I do like a stock named Green Thumb Industries. Mm-hmm. That stock ticker GTBIF. Uh, this is a company that this is one of the few cannabis companies that is still profitable on a gap basis, and they've been you know consistently generating gap profits. The a crucial reason why they're generating gap profits is because they have substantially less debt than peers. So they don't have to pay so much interest. That tends to be the main differentiator between this and other companies. But elsewhere in the cannabis rate sector, um, I have mentioned IPR. That's Innovative Industrial Properties. That 
The main difference between IPR and New Lake Capital Partners is that IPR is listed on the major exchanges. I think it's the New York, New York Stock Exchange. So that get, that means that it does have greater liquidity. But on the other hand, that greater liquidity means it does trade at like a 20% premium to New Lake Capital Partners. So I guess depending on the type of investor you are or how much capital you're managing, I mean, you know, IPR or New Lake Capital Partners, they might achieve a similar objective just but one may be more feasible than the other right i see that that also makes a lot of sense uh it's been great talking to you julian i've learned a lot about uh reads rights everything except how to pronounce that word i'm still not convinced so julian you are on seeking alpha as best to breed growth stocks uh before we log off uh please let everyone know what you do there and also uh where they can find you on seeking alpha and if anywhere else yeah, so I run a financial uh, investing group named Best of Breed Growth Stocks. There, I I have a portfolio where we are where my primary aim is to achieve um, a high amount of alpha, but with a high probability, high uh, success rate. So we're, we're not really shooting for moonshots. We're, we're mostly shooting for above market returns. Um, you know, across the portfolio. Uh, so though, if you, if you like me like capital partners and you wanted my other picks, you definitely could check me out at seeking alpha under, um, you just look for Julian Lin or best of best of breed growth stocks. All right. Great. Well, once again, Julian, it's been great having you, everyone listening, do yourself a favor, go check out Julian on seeking alpha. And I hope we can do this again sometime. Once again, everyone, thanks for listening to The Pragmatic Investor. If you aren't already, please go ahead and follow me on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever it is that you're listening to the podcast. And remember that if you'd like more content on investing, I do a lot more on Seeking Alpha. You can find me there, James Ford, The Pragmatic Investor, where I cover crypto, the macro outlook, international stocks, and so much more. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your day.